And now, for the show reflecting on classic radio, Hollywood 360, with your host, Carl Amari. You lost your magic. They knocked you off your game. Your Carlness went right out the window. What's with this Carlness? It's not even a, a real word. It's a conjunction, a preposition. It's a philosophy, a way of life. It's your name with Miss attached to it. Bob, listen to me. If you'd have done what I asked you to and come in my dressing room before the show, you'd have known that you weren't supposed to come out here until I introduced you. Jack, I tried to get into your dressing room, but I didn't have a nickel. I understand you're pretty funny as a DJ, and comedy is a kind of hobby of mine. Although, actually, it's a little more than just a hobby. Reader's Digest is considering publishing two of my jokes. Really? Yeah. From Hollywood, it's time now for... Money Dollar. Leave the gun. Take the cannoli. Quiet, numbskulls. I'm broadcasting. Hello, everyone. I'm Carl Amari, and this is Hollywood 360, the radio show that presents all things entertainment, including trivia contests and games, movie reviews, celebrity interviews, showbiz news, and classic radio shows. My co-host is the vivacious Lisa Wolf. In this hour, we'll rock it off into the future on X-1 from 1957. But first, it's Movie Jeopardy! Lisa Wolf Trebek will play audio clips from popular movies. I'll try to name the movie while you play along at home. Right, Lisa? That's right. Let's have a little bit of fun. These movies are about something you know a lot about. Really? Really. Um, about being handsome, tall. And dark. And strong. (laughs) Tall, dark, and And, handsome. And athletic. All of the above. And And um, something else you know a lot of. (laughs) That's funny. (laughs) You got me on that one. I got her to laugh. (laughs) This is something you do know a lot about. Okay. Movies about money. Oh. Oh. Money. Money. All these are movies about money. It's a crime. Money, (laughs) money, 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 money. So here is your first movie clip. All right. I mean, I could take you step by step to what exactly is occurring. You know, all you have to do is ask. I'm I'm available. That's exactly what I wanted to hear. Mm -hmm. I don't see why a little sit down like this Mm -hmm. can't be profitable for the both of us. It should, right? It should profit the both of us. It should. Look, I'm going to give you my personal line. Five days a week, you just call me feel free. I'll do that. Great. Are you sure you guys don't want something to drink? I mean, you're not hungry? Nothing? Nothing? Oh, no. No? Let me ask you, and if you don't want to get too personal, just tell me to shut up at any time. Did you try to get your broker's license at one time? Okay, that is the Wolf of Wall Street. That is right. Well, I am impressed. I told you this is something I got you know the, a few things within about. Within the last few seconds, I figured out that was Leonardo DiCaprio. That's exactly right. And yeah. Jonah Hill. Wolf that, of Wall in that Street. Clip. That is right. 2013 film directed by... Martin Scorsese. Exactly. Based on a 2007 memoir of the same name. Yeah. Wow. Well, I am impressed. Great well, job. it's like my provagen. With that, and you know a lot about money. Mm-hmm. Here's your next movie. <laughs> that makes you the highest paid GM in history of sports. So? So what? You know, I made one decision in my life based on money. And I swore I would never do it again. You're not doing it for the money. No? No. You're doing it for what the money says. First two movies you picked both have Jonah Hill in it. That is correct. Yeah. That they're worth it. 
That's Moneyball. That is also correct. Wow. This is something you do know a lot about. My Prevagen. A 2011 biographical film based on the 2003 nonfiction book called Moneyball, The Art of Winning an Unfair Game Mm -hmm. by Michael Michael Lewis. And that clip was Brad uh, Brad Pitt Pitt and Jonah Hill. Jonah Hill. Fantastic. It's a great movie. I know. Well, I only pick great movies. Mm -hmm. All right. We're going to change gears here, but still about money. From second to third? Mm -hmm. What's your problem? I'm putting half a million dollars on Lucky down to win third race at Riverside. Can't lay that off in time. Bet like that could break us. Not only are you a cheat, you're a gutless cheat as well. What are the odds? He was from Jaws, Four that guy. One. That's Robert Shaw. That's right. Take all of it. And that's he's the mob boss. That's Paul Newman. Yep. And that's... Ladies and gentlemen, this is on a row, calling the third race the of Riverside Park. Sting. That is right. Ding, ding, ding. 1973. Woo! Of course, three it was set in 1936. And yeah. Yeah, Paul Newman, Robert Redford, Robert Shaw. Wow. Mm-hmm. Well, I am triply impressed. I'm telling you, Prevagen, man. All right, well, it doesn't okay. usually work quite this well. That's, but uh, <laughs> It's pretty powerful stuff. All right, here we go. Who's that? Who's that? What you want? Police. We've had some complaints about con men pretending to be blind and... Uh, Ripple. Oh, I'd love to help you, man, but I ain't seen nothing since I stepped on that landmine in Vietcom back in 72. It was rough. That <laughs> Vietcom. You were in Nam? So were we. Where? I love this love movie. This clip. Um, I was in um, Sang Bang. Sang Bang. Uh, I was all over that place, basically. You know, all places, over that place. What unit Eddie were you Murphy. in? Such uh, an incredible I was with the Green Beret, uh, Special Unit Battalion's uh, Commando Airborne Tactics, Specialist Tactics uh, Unit Battalion. <laughs> it's so yeah, good. Was, hush, hush. I was Agent Orange. That was my I was name. Agent, Agent Orange. Orange. <laughs> Agent Orange. That was me. That was me. Oh, my gosh. Uh, Eddie Murphy. I love that One scene. of the greatest of all time, Eddie Murphy. Um, big fan of the show. He listens to the show all the time. Oh, I know. Sure. He uh, calls me, actually, during the show to let me know he's that listening That is Trading Places. That is right. 1983 comedy starring Dan Aykroyd, Eddie Murphy, blah, Curtis, blah, blah, Don Amici. Uh, also, um, Jamie Lee Curtis. Jamie Lee Curtis. That is exactly yeah. right. Yeah, Don Amici, right. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. Wow. Wow. Well, yeah. I only have one more, but I, you're going to know the last one. Ooh, I hope so. This is exciting. Okay. We live in a cynical world, a cynical world. And we work in a business of tough competitors. I love you. You complete me. <laughs> I'm not just... Just, I... shut up. just shut up. You had me at hello. <laughs> I love that. Show me the money. I purposely didn't give you that clip because it's um, so darn famous. That's, um, uh, it's his name. He's a a sports agent. That's all correct. Um, (laughs) That's right. 1996, starring Tom Cruise. Yeah, that's Tom Cruise. And that's, uh, Renee Zellweger. That's, um, um, nominated for five Academy Awards. Ah, and the her son has a big head, and he's always like, he was always like, the yep. human head weighs yep. eight pounds. That's it. That's the one. Yep. Um, that is... Uh, and Cuba Gooding Jr. won Best Supporting Actor. I... Oh, no. I can't remember the well, name. Well, who plays him? Well, that's Tom, that help that's you. Tom, that's okay. Tom Cruise. You just can't remember his name. Um, 
he he was. Uh, you're gonna you're gonna kill yourself. Eh, I can't remember his name. Jerry yeah, Maguire. Jer- I, I wouldn't have got it. Jerry, oh, okay. Jerry Maguire. Well, okay. you get a half a point. I for didn't that even one. have it on the tip of my no. tongue. No. All right. But, hey, I got five. Great uh, work. Five out of six or four out of five. Four and a half. All right. Four and a half out of five. Not bad. Not too Not shabby. Great work. No, I'm very all. impressed. All right. When we come back, we have a sci-fi drama on X minus one. So stick around. More Hollywood 360 after these important messages. Lots of channels. Nothing to watch, especially if you're searching for the truth. It's time to interrupt your regularly scheduled programs with something actually worth watching. Salem News Channel. Straightforward, unfiltered, with in-depth insight and analysis from the greatest collection of conservative minds like Hugh Hewitt, Mike Gallagher, Sebastian Gorka, and more. Find truth. Watch 24-7 on SNC.TV and on local now, channel 525. Hi, everyone. This is Meredith from the Senior Fitness with Meredith podcast, where I discuss all things for seniors. From fitness, your health and wellness journeys, how to be all over strong and beyond. I also have my mini podcast called Motivation with Meredith. It's a great, quick, motivational pick-me-up for your days. Join me. Listen now. Search for Senior Fitness with Meredith on your favorite podcast platform. Now back to the best in classic radio on Hollywood 360. Before we get into X-1, couple of housekeeping notes. One, we hit our funding goal for Bold Venture. So thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you out there in Radio Land. We did hit our fundraising goal. We will uh, transfer. In, in fact, we began the process of uh, transferring all 78 Bold Venture radio shows, and uh, we will have them available for the people that pledged. Um, If people would like to get those shows on CD or via digital download, we will have them available. If you want to learn more about it, you can always email me or call me. My number is 815-900-7535. We'll have all 78 episodes of Bold Venture available on CD or via digital download, Humphrey Bogart, Lauren Bacall. Uh, you can call me anytime, 815-900-7535. If I don't answer, that means uh, just leave a message and I'll call you back. One other quick thing. Christmas is around the corner, Lisa, and we have a great Christmas present to give. Um, all you, uh, All you'd have to do is call that same number and order it. And you want to tell them all about it? Yeah, we thought we wanted to come up with a great Christmas gift that wasn't too expensive that everybody would appreciate, and we came up with it. It's called 60 for 60. Yeah. Right? That's it. Yep. So uh, I think it's pretty self-explanatory. 60 bucks, 60 classic radio shows in pristine condition on 30 CDs. Yep. So we will mail those out on Monday to you or to anybody that you'd like to send them to as a gift. And we were thinking... What a great holiday gift that would be, whether it's Christmas, Hanukkah, Kwanzaa, we don't care, or just an I love you, I like you, I'm thinking about you. All in all, what a great idea. So 60 for 60. You had me at hello. Exactly. Yeah. And, you know, here's a little perk. Mm -hmm. You can give us a call tonight. 
Carl or I will either answer the phone or we'll call you right back when we have a moment. We can sign you up. Some people feel a little bit more secure that way. If we take the information rather than plugging it in online, that's totally fine. And it gives us an opportunity to have a little chat with our with our listeners. So yep. you can give us a call tonight, 60 for 60. It's our new holiday gift. Give us a call at 815-900-7535 anytime this evening and the next few hours for sure. Yeah, yeah. And we're going to be taking calls. So we hope that you'll consider that for a holiday gift. And you'll also get uh, historical book booklets with every one of those. You're going to get 60 different radio shows, no duplicates. Right. You're From gonna all get different genres. All this different is genres. a whole... Potpourri. Yeah, Jack Benny's, Spence, The Shadow, The Whistler, Gunsmoke, all kinds of great shows. Booklets with all the historical information. These are all CDs. They're on 30 CDs. Imagine that, 30 CDs for 60 bucks. It's only 2 bucks a CD. It's a lot of fun, and it gives you a lot of information, yeah. and it gives you a great variety of shows. Yeah, and as Lisa said, we'll ship it to whoever you want to give it to or give it to yourself. Have it sent to you. Call us at 815-900-7535. 60 radio shows for 60 bucks plus. You will also get... Uh, Historical liner notes. There is a $10 shipping and handling because it's a pretty big box. we got to send it to you. All right, time for X minus one. This was a tremendous sci-fi series that had adaptations of the best sci-fi writers, including Isaac Asimov, Ray Bradbury, Robert A. Heinlein, Frederick Pohl. And it had New York's finest supporting actors, Louis Van Ruten, Bob Hastings, Lawson Zerbe, uh, Mandel Kramer, Mason Adams, Jack Rimes, and it came to radio in 1955, lasted until 1958. This is an episode from February 27th, 1957, called Real Gone, and it stars a guy by the name of Al Jasbo Collins, and I'll tell you more about him uh, after we listen to this. Here's part one now of X Minus One. Countdown for blast off. X minus five, four, three, two, X minus one, fire. From the far horizons of the unknown come tales of new dimensions in time and space. These are stories of the future, adventures in which you'll live in a million could be years on a thousand maybe worlds. The National Broadcasting Company, in cooperation with Galaxy Science Fiction Magazine, presents X minus one. Tonight, Real Gone, starring Al Jasbo Collins. Playing, of all things, Al Jasbo Collins. Oh, come in. Come in. Glad to see you. Albert here, your Collins friend. Just a minute. I'll close the door. 
You know, uh, when you run a disc jockey show, the song pluggers just seem to ooze through the grain of the wood. There. Now well, we won't be bothered for a while. Have a seat. I'll take this record off the chair. <laughs> Hound Dog. Exclusive to me. Sung by Helen Traubel with the Vienna State Symphony Orchestra. Under the direction of Felix Weingartner. Huh. Now sit down. You do the writing for that real gone show on NBC, don't you? That uh, X minus one with the rocket ships and the three-headed men from Mars and all that jazz. Well, that's why I asked you up. I ran into a little something, just an idea, you know. I figured maybe uh, you could English it up and use it. It's about a friend of mine, Ralph Therian. Did you ever hear him? He's an artist. I don't mean uh, records or a musician. I mean... An artist, artist, a sculptor. I ran into him during the war. He used to sit in the barracks making busts of the sergeants out of G.I. soap. And when they had him on KP, they couldn't trust him to peel potatoes. He'd end up doing caricatures of the captain and the lieutenants out of raw spuds. Man, he was the greatest. He got the whole company restricted for a week when we were stationed somewhere near Boston. It snowed, and uh, he made a life-size statue out of snow and ice depicting the captain sitting in a howdah on the back of an elephant. The captain didn't mind so much, but the elephant happened to look like the regimental colonel, and he took a dim view of the entire affair. Uh, Ralph studied in France somewhere under the G.I. Bill of Rights, and I used to run into him once in a while on 57th Street. He's looking kind of hungry and desperate. Then uh, one day a couple of green weeks ago, I ran into him on Madison Avenue, and man, he looked like he belonged. He had one of them Tyrolean chapeaux with the shaving brush uh, stuck on one side, uh, an important German loading coat, and he was carrying a snakeskin dispatch case. Al! Albert! Well, hello, Ralph, my friend. Well, you're looking great, Al. Hey, I like that beard. Oh, thanks. Uh, kind of gives your face the Mount Rushmore quality. Uh, it's generally admired, my friend, but uh, what brings you over here on this uh, street of dreams? I was under the impression an artist was immediately downgraded three degrees of integrity when he set foot on Madison Avenue. <laughs> oh, I was just up seeing a client. A client? Hmm, you've given up the sculpting kick. Oh, no, no, I'm just working in a new medium. Well, you look real prosperous. Uh, how do you like the shoes? Oh, very dapper. Very dapper. I don't believe I've ever seen lizard skin harachis before. <laughs> Had them imported. Made underwater by natives of Ecuador. Yeah. Takes about three hours to have them made. So they use about 12 natives per pair. Ralph, my friend, you give the general impression that you are loaded with loot. I am. There's money in art. Money. You've just got to get something new. Here, wait a minute. Let me open my case. Here, Al. Take a look at this. What is that, uh, an ice cube? Look inside. Mm-hmm. Now, man, that's real entrancing. What is it? That is a detailed copy of Rodin's The Kiss. Pretty sexy. How do you do it? Well, you see, I carve it from underneath the plastic block. Oh, it looks sort of solid to me. How do you get in? Oh, well, look at the bottom. Uh, you see that little hole? Uh-huh. I work through there with my engraving instruments. Of course, this is just a sample. I've been doing originals, mostly. Uh, what are the little cubes good for? Uh, paperweights, I guess, huh? This is art, Albert, art. Do you know how much I get for one of these? Beats me. $5,000. Oh, that's a pretty stiff price for a paperweight. Well, you just don't understand, Al. This is the hottest thing since Picasso. I just sold two original compositions to Morgenstern. You know, the dealer from Philadelphia? 
for twenty-five thousand dollars. Twenty-five? Wow! Uh -huh. I, sh I should have paid attention when Mama bought me that clay when I was a little boy. Well, it's about time the creative artist got a little bit of recognition. Recognition's not the point, man. At twenty-five G's, I wouldn't care if people walked past me in high noon. That's because you're not an artist. The money's secondary. Money is never secondary. Money is the primariest thing there is. Al, would you be interested in a fine original composition? Well, I... I'll make a special prize for you, Albert. Four thousand dollars. No, Ralph, my friend. I, I keep my papers from blowing off my desk with my right foot and my left piled one on top of the other, and I find that quite adequate to the needs and aspirations. Well, the trouble with you is you've got no soul. The trouble with me is I have not got four grand. So we're listening to an X-1 episode, sci-fi episode called Real Gone, and it stars a real guy that was a DJ. His name was... His name was Al Jasbo Collins, and he was pretty prominent uh, at this time in 1957. In fact, he hosted, are you ready for this? Hosted The Tonight Show for five weeks. They hired him, NBC hired him to host The Tonight Show during the periods of Steve Allen, when, they, when Steve Allen left the show, and then they hired Jack Parr. Wow. He was the interim Host what of year? the Tonight Show, 1957. Oh, wow. And so he was a prominent disc jockey and musician. And uh, in 1957, he was the host for five weeks of Tonight Show. That's how popular he was. And so X minus one, because they were like, hey, this guy's hot. Let's have him star in an X minus one episode. But here's something even more interesting. In 1945, he was a disc jockey on this radio station, WIND in Chicago, wow. our flagship station. That, that we is something. Broadcast from. Maybe that would be our next step, Carl. We'll have to uh, host a talk yeah. show. All right, more of X minus one after this. If you enjoy classic radio shows like The Lone Ranger, The Shadow, Jack Benny, Gunsmoke, Dragnet, and Suspense, become a member of the Classic Radio Club. Each month, you'll receive 10 half-hour classic radio shows, along with historical liner notes. The 10 shows will be on five CDs or via digital download, whichever you prefer. You'll also receive an email every week with a digital link to the full five-hour Hollywood 360 radio show and the 30-minute Radio Rarities podcast that Lisa Wolf and I co-host. In total, you'll receive 34 classic radio shows per month. Become a Classic Radio Club member at ClassicRadioClub.com or call 815-900-7535 to speak to a live operator. Log on to ClassicRadioClub.com or call 815-900-7535. That's 815-900-7535. And now back to Hollywood 360 with Carl Amari. So how was Thanksgiving, Lisa? Not great? Um, it could have been better. We, you know, I always say <laughs> the best cook. laid plans. You didn't cook, did you? I did cook some. Oh, did you? Some. Yeah. Yeah. How about you? Is that why it didn't go better? Because you cooked? No, the food was delicious. Oh. That wasn't the problem. I, I catered in while I went and got it from uh, Whole Foods. <laughs> you picked it up. It was excellent. Yeah. It was excellent. They Mike, did great stuff. what'd you do for Thanksgiving, Mike? Ate Bubble a lot. Bath? 
You there ate you a lot? go. In the bathtub or at the table? Both. Yeah. Did you go somewhere or did you cook? No, we stayed at home. We cooked. We made a turkey, had yeah. a ham. Wow. Uh, my parents came by. Denise's dad came by. Her uncle came by. Wow. Yeah, it was great. Wow, nice. That is good. It's just yeah. nice yep. to hang out and get together and just my, uh, uh, eat. <laughs> my daughter and her husband flew in from Texas, and boy, were their arms tired. Yeah, I bet. It's a long way. Um, but they, um, you know, we, we ordered in from uh, Whole Foods, and it was great. Um, it's great because you get the turkey. It's already cooked, and yeah. then you just pop Warm it in it the up, oven for like an hour and 45 minutes. And it's nice and warm, and then all the sides, and it was yeah. easy peasy. Yeah. But then we, the cleanup is a pain in the neck. Yeah, we had a little combo of pick up and cook, but still a lot of cleanup. But um, Isn't there a lot of cleanup yeah, on we Thanksgiving? Had, we had a little bit of COVID that yeah, uh, came our way, but uh, it was uh, we did our best to salvage was, the evening. Was COVID invited or just came? No, it was not invited. Uninvited. It showed up uninvited. Oh, man. Yeah. Sorry to hear that. I'm fine. So Are you okay? Me. I'm fine. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's good. Yeah. You tested? I did. I'm you're, all all healthy. You're all Thank good. Thank you. I'm glad to hear that because <laughs> I'm too. sitting across from you, that's so I'm true. really glad to hear that. <laughs> all right, we're listening to X-1. This is called Real Gone, and it stars... Uh, a guy by the name of Al Jasbo Collins um, in this particular episode. I think that's the only radio show I have with him. And as I say, in 1945, he was at these, well, they were probably different microphones at the time. I hope but so. But he was at this radio station, WIND. That is amazing. WIND AM560 is our flagship station out of the Chicagoland area which uh, we beam to uh, hundreds of radio stations coast-to-coast from this station. We do it live here. And Al Jasbo Collins was a disc jockey on this very station. Probably sitting in that exact chair because it looks like it's about from the 1940s. (laughs) (laughs) That's for sure. All right, let's get back now to Real Gone on X-1. Ah, this sort of thing is happening to me all the time. For example, I have a barber who plays unaccompanied Bach Chacons with a quarter-inch drill and a length of steel pipe. I figured Ralph Therian was stringing me until I ran into Vladimir Osepsky. Now, uh, Vladi is one of these men who leads a double life. He composes concerti and avant-garde operas under his square moniker, but he's better known in the Brill Building as Larry Oss. He got in on the ground floor of this rock and roll affair, and he took an already substantial fortune and ran it up to a fantastic munificence. Larry has money he hasn't even folded yet, and he collects art. I was up at his house one night discussing such things as Tin Roof Blues and Wozzeck by Albin Berg, and uh, Larry got around to showing me his collection. Now, this is Picasso. Larry, that's what I call cool brushwork, my man, cool. I homed it next to the Tintoretto for contrast. Well, this stuff runs into a pile of loot. Well, I figure since I've launched rock and roll on an unsuspecting public, the least I can do is collect old masters and leave them to the nation when I die. Well, it figures. I mean, that figures. Here's my latest. Look, isn't it beautiful? You mean this hunk of plastic? Yes. Look into it. That design, that composition, the delicacy of that line. Well, this is the most exciting discovery in art since the invention of red paint. Larry... Was this piece of Jim Crackery executed by one Ralph Therian? That's right. 
You know him? Mm-hmm. Remarkable talent. Remarkable. A genius. And uh, how much did this stroke of genius cost you? If you don't mind my mentioning a crude thing like money? Not at all. Not at all. It was a steal, a steal. I got it from Morgan's turn. Oh, I outfoxed him. I got it from him for only $30,000. <laughs> yeah, you outfoxed him, all right. Uh, tell me something, Larry. Uh, what makes this worth... $30,000. Albert, 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 what makes a Stradivarius worth $30,000 and a fiddle played on the street by a beggar? $3, huh? Uh, you mean his stuff is that good? It's art, Albert. This is art. This is genius. To work with such delicacy and such control and such genius in so small a space. You see, that's it. This plastic block is how long? About two inches? Done. And yet within this two inches is the majesty, the feeling of a sculpture 20, 30 feet high. This is an art which has not been known in the world since the painters of miniatures in the late Renaissance. Boy, then it's for real. For real? This is the gem of my collection. The Picasso, the Renoir, the Cezanne will in time fade into insignificance. This is a new art form. Brilliant. Brilliant. And now let me play a new record we're putting out. It's called I Love You, Baby, Cause Your Lower Lip Drags on the Ground. A real cool, you bangy beat. Well, I let Ralph Therian's new art form slip my mind for a while while I struggled with song pluggers, advertising salesmen, account executives from the agency. And I met him again a few weeks ago at a small cultural establishment on the corner where I work. You might call it uh, sort of branch public library with a brass rail. Hey, what's the idea of putting this lemon peel in? If I wanted a fruit salad, I'd ask for it. How do you do, Ralph, my friend? Oh, hello, Al. Ah, you look like you're thriving, my man. Well, as a matter of fact... I just signed a contract with Morgan Stern to deliver $100,000 worth of my original compositions. I'm celebrating. In here? Ah, man, this place is only fit for sweating out the downhill phase on a manic depressive psychosis. Oh, I'm just starting here. I intend to work my way up. Albert, be my guest. Well, I just had a difficult morning with the station manager who has an illusion in his little ricky-ticky mind that my program is the answer to Lawrence Welk and Guy Lombardo. He'd been trying to convince me to program two solid hours of Wayne King, relieved by vocals by Frank Crummett and Julius Sanderson. I had resisted, and I was in the mood for eating the lotus and forgetting. Several hours later, Ralph was feeling very confidential. Albert... Albert, my friend, I like you. Why don't you shave? Ralph, love me, love my beard. I will try. Albert, you have the look of an Abraham Lincoln gone hog wild among the cream puffs. Ralph, you have an artist's soul. Albert, I trust you, I trust you, I trust you. I am touched. And so, Albert, I'm going to take you to my studio. My secret studio. And I will reciprocate, my friend... Tomorrow, when I am doing my disc show, you may come to my secret studio. Uh, with the esteem that my program is held in today, tomorrow I'll be doing my broadcast from a small hole with a round iron top and plenty of running water below. What time is it? It's half past something. I'm late. I'm late. Hurry. He took me to a loft somewhere down in the banana warehouse section... 
He had three locks on the door, and he opened them with three separate keys. I stepped inside and took a look around. The loft stretched a whole city block. The only thing that kept the New York Rangers from using it as a practice rink was the lack of ice. It was empty, except in one corner of the room there was a mess of machinery. Looked as if someone had uh, eviscerated a television set and left it to die of shock. There was a weaselly-looking little man in a shiny blue suit standing in the middle of the floor tapping his foot. Syrian, I've been waiting for half an hour, half an hour. Where have you been? Now, take it easy, Burson. Take it oh, easy. Plenty of time. I've told you the active life of the catalyst is only... Who's this? This is my friend Al. Al Collins. Well, who is he? And what is he doing here? I've told you we must have no one here. Now, he's my friend. I trust him. Oh, I suppose you've told him all about it. Yes, I have. Mm-hmm. Have you got the stuff? Certainly, I have. Three ampules, but it won't last. You've got to hurry. Roll up your sleeves. Oh, now, uh, just a minute, uh, both of you gentlemen. Uh, if I've been brought down here to witness the inoculation of a little happy juice into somebody's arm, I'm leaving. Uh, I have no desire to tangle with the Federal Narcotics Bureau. Now, Albert, do I look like I'm taking narcotics? I wouldn't swear to it. You don't understand. In those little glass bottles is a secret of $100,000. And I'm going to show you how I do it. First, we take a plastic cube out of my pocket. So, we put it down on the grid in the middle of the floor. So. Now, if you will kindly step to the outside of the white line painted on the floor. Back there. Go ahead. Now, Mr. Burson, we'll turn on the machinery. I take this vial of catalyst, thus, and pour it over the plastic block. So, now, we wait. We stood there at the edges of that loft and watched that tiny plastic block sitting in a frame on the middle of the floor. And then suddenly it began to grow. In about 20 minutes, that cute little plastic block stood about 20 feet on a side. It almost touched the skylight, and there was about a foot of clearance on each wall. You see, the long organic chain of molecules in the plastic is infinitely expandable under the right conditions. That effect. By applying the right voltages in series, we can expand the cube to about this size. But there's an outside limit due to the cohesive charge on the molecules. Oh, naturally, naturally, of course. Uh, those molecules do stick together. Well, it's the catalyst that does it. And I make that. I make the catalyst. Do you hear that, Therian? I make it. Now, calm down, Burson. Without me, you just have a great big blob of plastic. I'm the one who turns it into money. You see, Albert, a cube this big is as soft as putty inside. Now, I take my pneumatic drill and I make a hole in the bottom. And then my tools, and I start to carve my pretty sculptures inside. Therian, I'm warning you, I won't take this kind of treatment for long. Now, calm down, Burson. You're getting your 10% cut. 10%? 10%? Why, before I brought you this process, the only artwork you could get people to look at was mustaches on subway advertisements. Burson, that is the typical wailing of the non-creative technician. Envy? Pure envy for genius. Now, look out. I'm going under there and start work. I want 50%, Therian. 50%. That's only fair, isn't it? I, I put it to you, Mr. Collins. Uh, just keep me out of it, gentlemen. Leave me out of it. I'm warning you, Therian. I'm warning you. Just get out of my way, grease monkey. Let an artist work. 
Ralph crawled under the giant cube and started to work. I could see what he was drawing, a collection of lovely ladies, something like the closing number at the Union City Burlesque. Didn't look very good. The lines were kind of thick and muddy, had a kind of a soft and sloppy quality to it, just about as if you were uh, carving in butter. Took him about an hour, and then he crawled out. Uh, just about in time. Well, what does it say on that watch? You've got about 20 seconds left. You cut it pretty fine there, Therian. It's all right. It's a masterpiece. Wait a minute. Okay, now. There she goes. Well, now, what happened was that plastic cube that was blown up to about 20 feet on the side suddenly popped like a balloon with a cigarette stuck in it. And what ended up was that tiny little two-inch cube sitting in the middle of the floor. Ralph picked it up and brought it over. Look at it. Beautiful. Beautiful. The work of genius. The work of science. Makes a real nice paperweight. Albert, my friend, what you have just seen was the creation of a $20,000 masterpiece. Take a good look. I did take a good look. The whole design was there. But what had looked to me like kind of a muddy, buttery picture when it was 20 feet high was now sharp and beautiful and clear as a snowflake. I went back to the studio and demonstrated my independence by scheduling two solid hours of Dizzy Gillespie. The next day, I got a telephone call just before I went on the air. It was Ralph asking me to come over to the studio, said it was important. So, after the show, I shook the last song plugger out of my lapels and headed down to Ralph Therian's loft. I found that fellow Burson walking up and down at the edge of the room, looking at his stopwatch nervously. Uh, they had another plastic cube blown up in the middle of the room, and Ralph was inside the cube working. Now, they were having quite an argument. I know you got paid off today, Therian, $100,000. I know you got it, and I want my share, 50%. Don't bother me, I'm working. Hi, Ralph. Oh, hi there, Albert. Just a minute. Wait till I crawl out. I warned you. You can't say I didn't warn you. There'll be no more of the catalyst, no more. Listen to him, Al. That's why I asked you over. I wanted a witness. And you're the only one who knew all about it already. Oh, now look, gentlemen. I told you not to get me involved in this. Now listen. This little worm, this <laughs> test tube termite, had the gall to threaten not to bring any more of that catalyst. But I warned you, I warned you, I want my share of that hundred thousand. If you'll excuse me, I'll get back into that masterpiece. That catalyst is only good for 2.7 hours. Hand me the drill, will you, Burson? Uh, here it is. What I warned you. Boy, this plastic is tough today. All Let's right. Lord Gray. I warned him. I warned him. He must have the money here somewhere. Yes, it must be somewhere. Bills. Bills. Your check stubs. What are you doing over there, Burson? Looking. Just looking. Well, if you're looking for that $100,000, you can stop. I've got it right here in my pocket. What? Now, don't bother me while I finish work. What? What? Therian. Therian, come out of there. Come out. Come out. I've got to finish just a little more. Come out. You don't understand. Come out. Get out of my way, Mr. Collins. With pleasure. Therian, hand me that money. Quick. Get out of my way, Burson. I'm working. But listen, you don't understand. The catalyst. Let go of me. Let go of me. The catalyst. I made it up half strength. Give me that money. Quick. The money. Well, that's all there was to it. I figured out that little fellow from the plastic company figured he'd get himself a new sculptor when he made up that catalyst half-strength. 
the two of them were in there when the roof fell in. The roof and the walls. Well, that's about all there is to it. Figured you might be able to use the story. I wrote a few notes on it. They're here somewhere, but under the paperweight. Oh, would you like to see the paperweight? Little plastic cube, about two inches. Look in there. Two fellows with their hands around each other's throat. Looks realistic, don't it? As if they were squeezing. Of course, this one's an improvement on the work Ralph Therian did. This one's in full color. You have just heard X-1, presented by the National Broadcasting Company, in cooperation with Galaxy Science Fiction Magazine, which this month features The Victim from Space, a time to sow, a time to reap, a time to live. All the Agathians agreed with this, but not when it came to a time to die. Galaxy Magazine, on your newsstand today. Tonight, X-1 has brought you Real Gone by Ernest Canoy based on an idea by Al Jasbo Collins and starring Al Jasbo Collins as himself. Featured in our cast were John Berrigray as the late sculptor Ralph Therian, John McGovern as his equally late scientific collaborator, and Harold Huber as the fabulous Larry Oss. This is Fred Collins. X-1 was directed by Kenneth McGregor, and is an NBC Radio Network production. NBC takes you across the nation, around the world, with news on the hour and the exciting hotline service all day, every day, on most of these stations. That is X-1, February 27th, 1957. It's crazy when you think about 1957. Um, you know, radio had um, kind of, unfortunately, was saying bye-bye, you know, as a dramatic art form because television was in full bloom. Sure. I mean, television came about in about 1948, right? And so by 1957, you're talking about, 11 12 years later people were watching TV they sure. weren't really they weren't really listening to you know entertainment dramatic entertainment in 1957 on radio although NBC was like hey we still see um, life in this art form this theater of the mind and in fact a little later in the show we're going to listen to a have gun will travel radio show western from 1960. Even later well, than this. I'm so glad that we still see life yeah, in this art form, that's, even that's today for sure. in 2023. Yeah, this uh, this episode, Real Gone, starred uh, Al Jasbo Collins. Also in the cast, Harold Huber. Harold Huber played Hercule Poirot on radio. You know, the the Belgium detective, Hercule Poirot. Um, yeah, and I don't know if we've ever aired any of those. I have a couple in my uh, in my library. But I hope you enjoyed X-1. Time for this month in music history. We're going back to the 1940s this evening mm. with this song. Chattanooga Choo Choo. Chattanooga Choo Choo, 1941. Yeah. Is it Benny Goodman? 
or was it somebody um, else? No, this was Glenn Miller. Oh, Glenn Miller, yeah, yeah, yeah. Right, yeah. and this was featured in the 1941 movie Sun Valley Serenade. Mm. It's been in a lot of movies. It's been, yeah. you know. It has. Um, but yeah, great, great tune. 19 what? 41. Wow, the year we entered World War II, mm. 1941. Man. Music was different. It was very different. When you think, you listen to that and say, wow, you know, so different. Even the voice qualities are different of yeah. singing. Yeah, it really was. All right, thanks, Lisa Wolf. Sure. More of Hollywood 360 after this short break. Pardon me, boy. Is that the Chattanooga juju? More Hollywood 360 after these important messages. Hey everybody, Jared Sebesti, your host of Retire Repurposed. This podcast is dedicated to help people transition into fulfilling and purposeful retirements. Retirement is a big life change. In fact, the two most dangerous years of a person's life are the year they were born and the year they retire. Few people could just flip the switch from working a career 30 or 40 plus years retiring on Friday without methodical steps to living what we call a repurposed retirement. To listen now, search Retire Repurposed on your favorite podcast platform, Senior Resource, or Life Audio. And now back to Hollywood 360 with Carl Amari. In our next hour, Bob Sloan is our narrator for a true crime case on The Big Story from 1948. But first, we're going to need a caller to play Beat the Host. That's right. All about Miley Cyrus. She was born November 23rd of 1992. So what she's about Miley Cyrus? 31. She's 31? 31. Let's wow. talk Miley if you want to be on the radio and uh, have some fun, win a prize, give us a call. 312-642-5600, caller number six. All right, we'll see you soon. Hey everybody, Jared Sebesti, your host of Retire Repurposed. This podcast is dedicated to help people transition into fulfilling and purposeful retirements. Retirement is a big life change. In fact, the two most dangerous years of a person's life are the year they were born and the year they retire. Few people could just flip the switch from working a career 30 or 40 plus years retiring on Friday without methodical steps to living what we call a repurposed retirement. To listen now, search Retire Repurpose on your favorite podcast platform, Senior Resource, or Life Audio.